As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke, and I'm here with co-host Matt Tebby. Yeah. We're both co-hosts. You don't know this about Ben. Uh, why would you? But uh, Ben recently started shaving his head. I did. I and he's, uh, he's got a good dome. Uh, I was a little insecure about it. Um, I, I wasn't sure if I would... Uh, I wasn't sure what my head looked like under the, under there. <laughs> um, but I did have this bald spot kind of growing in the you know the back of my head, which I never see because I don't no. have eyes back there, and I don't ever look at my you know back in the mirror. But um, and so I uh, I was sort of unaware of it. So, but yeah, I just got tired of trying to manage uh, haircuts and scheduling stuff during mm-hmm. COVID, and I thought, mm-hmm. you know what, let's give it a try. I have yeah. been encouraged to give it a try by you and several other friends, and so I I did. Yeah, kind of shaved it real, real close. My head is a little bit colder now. I wear stocking caps sometimes, just because I'm like, ooh, it's chilly. Mm. Uh, but it's uh, it, it it's very low maintenance. So. Yeah, it looks good, man. Just want to con- affirm this is. Thank you. It may be in the top five things that have happened in 2021. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it's been it quite be. a year so far. It has been quite a year so far. That um, is true. Yeah. So, um, yes, but we're excited uh, to get into this podcast here with Timothy and Marai uh, McCain, who are a kind of a traveling evangelist couple in the Pentecostal charismatic church world. And yep. um, they uh, primarily minister, uh, Timothy's a uh, African-American man, Marai is uh, Latina. And they 
minister primarily in white spaces. And mm. so there's a mm. lot here uh, to learn, I think, from them um, in terms of what they've encountered, especially since, um, especially in the, in the, in the past year in 2020. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, looking forward to it. This is part of our series that we, that we just started. Um, we, we had Esau on last week, Esau McCulley talk about reading while black. Mm. Um, that started this new series that we're doing on power and race and gender in the church. Yes. So we're trying to tackle just a couple minor things in 2021 here. Just a couple small things. Yes. Power, race, gender. Yep. In the church. So yeah, that's it. They have some great Listen stories. Up. Yeah, they, 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 they do. In particular this, this how... a good couple. Yeah, in particular how uh, the election of Donald Trump and the killing of George Floyd, how all these cultural factors have changed the way that the predominantly white churches they minister in, how it impacts them, how they yes. experience it. So yes. they're great people. And yep. commend they are. this interview. Yep. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Timothy and Madai McCain, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Ah, thank, thank you, you so much. Us. Yeah, it's great to uh, it's great to be able to spend some time with you uh, today, talking uh, a little bit uh, with you in our new series that we're doing on race and power and gender and how all those things intersect in the world of the church, uh, specifically leading in the church. Um, just so I, I'm, I'm assuming most of our listeners are probably not familiar with you guys. So maybe we could start with just some introductions. Madai, would you um, be up for just introducing you and Timothy and kind of what you guys do together? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Madai McCain. My husband is Timothy McCain. Uh, we actually have a ministry called TMM Ministries, and we get to travel all over the world and be able to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is such an honor. And it's so fun because we get to see different cultures, eat different food. So that's really cool. Um, so that's what we do. My husband okay. and I, we have been getting involved a lot more on social media, YouTube, podcasts, anything you can think of. We are trying to spread the gospel in every way that we possibly can. Um, we have been traveling for almost a decade, which wow. is super crazy to me. I'm like, how old yeah. am I? <laughs> is that possible? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. I'm like, when did this happen? Yeah. So we've been traveling for almost a decade. We have, been, had the, uh, we have had the honor of doing lots of conventions, lots, gone to lots and lots of churches. Literally, I was thinking the other day, I was telling him, I'm like, we have ministered to hundreds and thousands of people over a decade. Wow. And we have seen so many salvations, and I, I'm so in awe of what the Lord has done in our lives. So yeah. that's who we are, and that's what okay. we do. <laughs> that's Sweet. awesome, Mari. Thank you uh, for, for that. Um, you, guys, you guys primarily uh, travel and minister in the Pentecostal world, which is where we connected with you guys. And Timothy, maybe you want to share a little bit of that story about how you connected with Gravity Leadership uh, through our friend Josh Hawkins and um, kind of why we're having this conversation today. Um, it's based on a conversation from a few weeks ago. Oh, yes. So it's amazing how God knows our tomorrow while it was still our yesterday. Right. And I met uh, Pastor Josh Hawkins. We were youth pastors in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, yeah, uh, I've heard of that. Years and years ago. <laughs> 
Um, and we were friends then, but little did I know that God will use him to throw a lifeline in my life while mm. in a season of my life where I feel like I was drowning uh, mm. with so many questions with uh, in different kind of seasons that this year has um, brought. And so mm. uh, I went up to uh, Pastor Josh Hawkins Church. It's in uh, uh, Fremont, Indiana, incredible mm-hmm. church. Anybody listening, you got to holler at that church. It's amazing. <laughs> He's a dope pastor. Um, and, uh, and so we were chit-chatting and about what's going on and, um, and how we really feel like um, all sorts of ways. And we're going to collaborate in a little bit. But um, he uh, sent me a Gravity Leadership Podcast. And, uh, and I fell in love. I literally binged. <laughs> I binged. Uh, listened to so many episodes and it felt like I was finally eating a meal that was satiating uh, my appetite because I felt like I had questions um, but it perceived that I I was the only one who had them so it was incredible and encouraging to see um, uh, white white people having these type (laughs) of depth of conversations uh, because again in the in the 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 space that we find ourselves in uh anyway so man i just fell in love grab leadership podcast y'all are amazing uh man matt and ben y'all are dope people so i'm so thankful for (laughs) y'all that's 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 why we had you on today thank you very much for joining us we'll see you next time maybe timothy should do the bumper for the podcast (laughs) maybe i think think you should probably like yeah just add some really encouraging things no that's super encouraging um and we had a really really encouraging conversation with you uh timothy while you were actually you were coming through indianapolis Mm -hmm. um and we actually lived my little joke earlier about fort wayne like i actually lived in fort wayne for 15 years and we Mm -hmm. lived there all at the same time you me and josh um and probably you too, Marie. Were you yeah. there as well? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we were all there. Um, Fort Wayne's a big place, so obviously we didn't know each other. But um, the Christian world there is a kind of a small world, so I'm, a- I'm actually surprised that I didn't know who you were. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 that is super encouraging to hear you say that. And we, we do connect with a lot of uh, people who are asking questions and, and wanting sort of... Uh, to be able to have conversations like the ones we're having now about race and power and gender and um, how all those things uh, affect our life in the church rather than just uh, sort of brushing them aside. So I wonder if we could get into that and, and elaborate on that a little yeah. bit. You, you, you said that you felt like you were drowning mm-hmm. at a certain point. Um, do you, do you want to just elaborate on that and get specific? What, what do you mean? What was, what was the lack that you were sensing in the spaces that you were inhabiting and, and w- what were you needing? Um, I recognized very quickly uh, that that the church, I felt as a whole, and for many people that I've known, have shifted directions of who Jesus really is. Mm. I felt like we were uh, pimping the cross and whoring grace for political and whatever type of gain, and mm. seeing well, people gathering together with cross-measuring contest instead of getting into the place <laughs> of standing and fighting. I don't know if that's too real, too honest. My bad. <laughs> no, that, and, um, this is the right space for it. I'm just so, glad I'm, I'm not the one saying the most audacious things on the podcast today. This is great. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, man, where is this Jesus that, I, mm-hmm. that um, I've been preaching? And now in a place, in a space where I finally, as a black man, has finally... I felt like the nation was asking the question was was at a place where where they were inquisitive regarding the pain some people at least the pain of the black and brown and minority communities yeah and uh, when 
I personally finally felt like I had an opportunity to share about my experiences. Um, it was greeted with silence. It was greeted with mm. with um, with the negativity. I was greeted with uh, with with so much hostility that it blew me away. Mm. And I really felt like that man. All these years of ministry, being in these places of I call it a missionary in the white community. In some places, I felt like well, I felt like they felt more. They loved me as a black man, but didn't care less about black people. Um, and at the same time. Uh, wanting me just to preach. Um, and mm. so what people got to like, like the whole just George Floyd and everything that has happened, uh, as tragic as it was, it was Tuesday for us. And so yeah. for the longest time, yeah. longing like, for that. Like just another Tuesday. Yeah, just another. Like, yeah, yeah, this you know happens I mean? all the time. We're used happens to Happens all yeah. the time. Yeah. And so where it's finally where you can feel like you could go to your pastor and be pastored in this area of healing. Um, across the board around the nation, it seemed like those spaces were silent. Mm. And so, yeah, so it felt like I was drowning where I literally had to confront, um, man, just, I felt my whole community, everything that I've, that I have found peace and security in was shaken and, uh, didn't know where I could go and, um, where I could, where I could find healing and find peace. Cause it's different, man. If you gotta, if you gotta, if you gotta persuade the one who wants to hear about your pain, that your pain is legitimate and <laughs> validates their attention. Uh, you, there's not a safe place to go. No, so, no, no, no. So yeah. So when I came across man, y'all's podcast, <laughs> Oh, I, I, like I said, I felt like God threw me a, a, a life. Uh, what do you, that's that little circle thing to throw in the ocean and the yeah. Yeah. Life preserver. Life. Yeah. Life preserver. Yeah. And uh, so so yeah, mm. it's been crazy up in these up in these streets, fam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder, Matty, like as you as you've been in these spaces with Timothy, like what have you noticed? How have you experienced maybe this? You know, Timothy, the comment: uh, these people love me as a black man, but didn't care anything about black people, mm-hmm. and the way that that disoriented you in these communities, maybe separated you or revealed a division for you that maybe was more crystallized than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Maria, I'm wondering how you experienced that over the last several months. So it, it's been a kind of interesting. Um, I think I wasn't as aware of what was happening or in, this, in the country. I am actually from Mexico, but I grew up in the States. Um, so my situation is a little bit different. I noticed different things than he mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I guess it just... Oh, awaken this reality that being a black man it can be dangerous you know I mean I've always known that some you know all this stuff can happen but when it started to really happen and and the the media started to put more attention to it I was like wow this is this is the reality like when I first got married with him we we did a couple of things like we would go out right we would go up to Indiana we would drive up to different churches and a lot of times he would just get stopped by the police just randomly and I'm over here like what is going on he's like oh it's it's because I'm driving while black and I'm like laughing like yeah sure but the more (laughs) yeah like sure that's why um but I'm I'm like the more that you know we've been married for almost like I said we're we're only we're almost gonna be married almost 10 years so I started (laughs) I started to notice it more and more and more and more I do remember like situations where like, again, we were driving through the cornfields of Indiana 
And yes. people would just lure out the N-word to him. Wow. Like wow. out of nowhere. They didn't even know who he was. And I'm like, I... This whole season has brought so much more information, so much more awakening to me personally of how I'm going to have to raise my son because mm. my son is going to be a black Latino. He's a blackskin. That's what we call him. Yeah. He's blackskin. And so because we both of our cultures, we both have experienced racism from different places. Yeah. And so I don't know. All this literally stirred so much more in me and like having conversations with we have never had these conversations not like this we've had to have raw conversations between each other because he's very concerned he's like you need to understand that if our son gets stopped by police i have to teach him how to handle this situation mm -hmm. and in my mind and i'm like you know you know no what are you talking about but now that everything is exploded in the media i'm like wow this is so real this could totally mm -hmm. happen to anybody yeah. and and it's just, I don't know, it, it's been difficult. I saw him suffer through this whole season mm. because he wanted to talk to somebody that could understand. And um, there was nobody there. You know, and people were, some people just totally, completely just shun him because yeah. he wanted to talk about the situation. He needed somebody to talk to, somebody that would understand, somebody that would hear, you know, and it's it just, it was really yeah. sad to see that the people that, that said that were with us, they kind of just, turn their backs on us yeah because we were talking about this stuff people need to hear about this this is real yeah. racism is real i've experienced racism <laughs> myself you know yeah. and i think yeah. that people well i have heard people say racism is not real yeah. um it's it's not real it's we're making it worse or stuff like that i'm like are you kidding me mm. Yeah. I grew up, <laughs> I'm like, I experienced racism myself. I've been called yeah. names that I'm not going to mention on here. But, yeah. you know, because I am a Latino woman. So, yeah. I don't know, this whole season has been so enlightening. You know what I mean? Yeah, enlightening in all the worst ways. You know, I'm, I'm right. hearing you guys say that there's the, this community that you've spent 10 years ministering with and to, um, you know, just to sort of feel the the betrayal almost uh, abandonment yeah. i hear you guys describing um and i i, I want to come back uh, the, the interesting thing that i've heard you say i've heard other um people say like churches who don't really want to wrestle with this stuff um just preach that comment that you mentioned earlier just preach um and i thought that's so interesting because <laughs> what when when it's so interesting because what i hear you describing is that's what you wanted to do you want to preach, you know, you want to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it affects the way that we are with one another, right? Yes. And how it can actually uh, maybe heal some of these ways that we're, uh, that we're pitted against each other, right? You know, all these kinds of things. So you're, you're actually wanting to preach the gospel, but what they mean by just preach is something very specific. And it actually means mm -hmm. something more like don't preach yep. these you, things. Yeah. We yeah. want, we you know want... What I had uh, like a certain white version of the gospel, maybe, or something like that. You know, I, I mean? had this picture. I know you guys like this because you're Pentecostals. I had this picture, as you said that, Timothy, of, of mm. Paul going to Peter in Galatians 2 and checking mm. him because he wasn't mm. eating with the Gentiles. And Peter going, mm. whoa, 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 dude, just, just preach the gospel. Just <laughs> back up. Back up Who with matter your I have uh, fancy with? schmancy uh, intersectionality here, Paul, and just <laughs> oh, come on. preach... Yeah. The gospel. So here's what's psychotic about this, Timothy, and I'd love to hear yeah. you talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that uh, there's a version of the gospel that is accepted 
and agreed upon in many white churches and white spaces that lacks the justice and the kingdom of God in it. Mm-hmm. It actually, mm-hmm. you want to talk about old time gospel? It lacks the old time Antioch gospel that Paul preached to Peter. And, mm, and yeah. wh- how do you navigate that? Like, what do you say, Timothy, when you want to talk about how, how the kingdom of God and being a black man in America intersects with mm. the gospel of Jesus? And somebody says, no, 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 just, just give them the justification by faith. Mm. What do you do? I, man, there's so much, ooh, there's so much I can, Go I want to talk about this. So here, so here we go. <laughs> give, give the All evangelist right. some room. So here we go. So uh, y'all remember when uh, LeBron James was uh, speaking up about mm-hmm. all these issues, things of nature, and uh, some lady just said, uh, man, just shut up and dribble. Mm-hmm. And people were like applauding and like, man, that is right, man. You just supposed to play sports or whatever. And all in this whole, our nation family, uh, people of color, minorities, and has been involved, right, in, in whether sports or in, in, in Doctors, whatever, we, we're, we're present, right? Yeah. And so, but it's sad at the moment where someone needs to speak up regarding the, the matters that pertain to minorities, people of color, and then that moment is it's it's is wrong. So I have a hard time mm-hmm. hearing someone say, tell LeBron James to shut up and dribble, because to me, when t- someone tells me to be quiet, you're just telling me to shut up and preach. You're telling that mu- that musician that 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 creates an atmosphere for your church service to shut up and play. You're mm-hmm. telling that 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 person of color uh, that is hurting, but you're not giving a space to hear to just to, sh- to hurt in silence. At the same time, gathering together in your Sunday morning services, uh, asking God for a move of God, uh, asking God to heal our nation. But to your definition, heal our nation is everyone to shut up and be thankful that they're in America. And so, which we've heard people Lord, say that. Mercy. Oh my Lord. And so if, 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 I just don't believe that the healing that people that we need isn't silence, Mm-mm. right? We can't heal what we conceal. We heal mm-hmm. we confront. The Bible says blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Peacekeepers mm-hmm. is not even, right? We're, yeah. Peacekeepers, someone who said, well, let me, not, let me not say anything. Let me not rock the boat because I don't want to offend anybody because I don't, whatever. But the problem is um, we give our thumbs up to, uh, in our, through our own silence and we welcome the same issues. But what we're trying to do just as speaking up is to be do the work of jesus to be peacemakers and and sadly we're er, in is that in order to make peace attention is necessary and sometimes that attention hurts yes so so um it has been an alarming an absolute alarming season to Mm -hmm. where to see how people literally can create different personalities or mm-hmm. different images of Jesus. Yeah. It is in alarming to me of how we can yes. mission strewed God's name. We can we can create like back in the day, back in the I was in the nineties, we had these bracelets, what would Jesus do? WWJD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that would make sense at, at a time if we all had the same definition of Jesus. Yes. Yes. So you can't tell me what would Jesus do <clears throat> And, and yell at the Mexican speaking Spanish to get out my country. You can't yeah. tell me if, cause I believing that that's what your Jesus would want. Yeah. Right. And so, so I, it's, it's alarming to see where there is a complete 
bunch of different Jesuses manufactured, manufactured, fact, created in the factory of man, man-made images of Jesus yeah. that God has nothing to do with. Yes. Yeah, man. I, <clears throat> I, I share that. Um, and it's almost blatant, isn't it? I mean, some of, yeah. the, some of the quotes that we heard in the news, you know, that, that kind of thing, um, it was just like, you know, people would try to quote even like things that Jesus literally said to, to Christians who seemed to be doing otherwise. And they were like, yeah, but they basically argue with Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. they basically said, yeah, that was, that's all fine and good. But, you know, how many times are you supposed to turn the cheek? You know, like, come on, you know, like at some point they, they almost, you know, it's like the, the, the jig is up. It's like, you're not, you're not following Jesus anyway. Yeah, no, that, I think that's really, um, that's really a keen insight. I, I've been thinking about this, um, lately that it is, it is ironic, like you said, for, for us to pray for a move of God, uh, but then refuse to repent you know, uh, when, when the preacher comes through and, and shows us our sin. Right. Um, <clears throat> I, I, and I wonder if this is how, um, principalities work, right? Uh, I once heard a, a pastor say, uh, it shocked me at the time, but I think it, I think it's true. Um, about, about five seconds after he said it, I was like, I think that's true. <laughs> he said, white supremacy is the founding principality of the United States. Mm. Oh, snap. Oh, come he on, just come said on. it. He started he his there. talk like that. That's, wasn't that amazing? Oh, That's, he's an Asian American pastor. He started his talk like that. White supremacy is the founding principality. And then he went on to talk about how that works. But it, it just strikes me that of like, this is how like demonic principalities probably operate. Like they operate primarily they're hidden until you poke them, until you bring it out into the light and then all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Right, you lose speaking gigs, and people tell you to shut up and preach. And absolutely, right? That's true. Mm. Yeah, man. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a question in there. I think I'm just uh, <laughs> resonating with you. I was uh, gonna say though, um, it's it's to me it baffles me that we are the church and we understand that when people come and they have deep rooted things in their heart that we have to expose them for them mm-hmm. to be able to up- uproot these things. We know mm-hmm. this, even in the Pentecostal circles, right. like we're always talking about, you know, <laughs> Zozos being whole, being made new, well, all that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, but when it comes to things like racism and, and all this stuff that's been happening, we don't want to dig the ground and go yeah. deeper and reveal those roots because we want to pretend like they're not there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I've literally yes. heard people yes. that have said racist come or actually typed with their, you know, Facebook warriors, they've typed racist comments on people's, you know, Facebooks and then pr- proceed to say that they're not racist. I'm like, right. you just literally <laughs> said something so racist. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I went to a church not too long ago and it was the most, I honestly almost cried myself there um, because I went, We. I just went to visit and the the preacher the pastor went up there and you know he was like well we're we're never gonna push our agenda on you and I was like okay he's starting off good great this is awesome <laughs> finally I get to hear the gospel not in, and and not all this other stuff fluffy stuff and political stuff awesome we're gonna hear the gospel today and he proceeded to make one of the most racist comments mm. I have ever heard and my friend who is a black woman came with me. We were, we both looked at each other and I was like, Hey, um, I think, I think I'm ready to go. And yeah. I just got up and left. I could not. I'm like, and this yeah. is what we're doing in, in this hour. And it was, it's so heartbreaking. I literally almost 
cried. And the church applauded. Yeah. And yeah, and the yeah. church. Yeah. Well, the yeah. funny thing is, I looked around the church. I don't know. I mean, we live in Florida now. Mm-hmm. And we're very, very multicultural down here. So we have, you know, Puerto Ricans. We have every culture you can think of, Cubans, you know. Mm-hmm. And the church was very multicultural. And all the Spanish people were quiet and they just stared. Mm-hmm. While other people were like, amen, pastor, amen. I'm like, he literally mm-hmm. just said one of the most racist comments about a black woman on a microphone and everybody mm. applauded. I'm like, this is what we've created the gospel to be? Is this what the altar is for? Is this what the pupil, mm. uh, you know, the what is going on? Yes. Anyway, yeah. that was sad. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. It's disturbing. I And I, I think a lot of people probably listening are feeling the same thing, right? That we're, we're sort of uh, grieved and amazed, alarmed, as you said, uh, about what's happening and, and about what we're seeing. Um <clears throat> And I, I, but I wonder, like, I wonder how we respond to this, right? Um, as people who are trying to follow Jesus, trying to continue to um, hold out the gospel of Jesus um, in all of its justice and reconciliation. Um, and I, because I, you know, one, one of the responses for some people is, you know, forget the church. That's happening left and right right now. People are leaving the church because of the stuff. They're like, "This is well," because they go and they hear a racist joke from the pulpit, right. and, and they're like, like, "I don't want, I can't do this anymore." Jesus, yeah, yeah I gosh. can't do it. Yeah, I don't want anything to do this. So that, that's one, and I completely understand that. Um, you know, and and other people maybe in your position would be like, "All right, well, let's you know, let's find a new way to make money, and let's just get out of this thing. This is too hurtful, too hard." Um, but you guys are not doing that. Um, from what I, from what our, our previous conversation with you, Timothy, um, you, you indicated that. So I wonder, I wonder if you guys can talk about how are you responding when these things happen to you? How are you responding in your ministry? How are you responding in your family? Um, and maybe there'd be some wisdom in that for uh, us and our listeners um, to know how we can respond in our families and our churches when we when we see these things and hear these things. Yeah, I think it's important first, first, first and foremost to realize. Um, that the church is not a restaurant, right? And we have treated Sunday mornings, Wednesday gatherings like that. We treat it like a restaurant. We come into church hungry and then we snap like snap at Jesus like he's our waiter saying, fill me up, fill my bottle, fill my cup, fill my plate. I'm done with this. Take it away. And so then we leave, we leave the church uh, full of ourselves um, and but we don't exercise. So thus we become a immobile uh, or obese bride uh, that yells from their lazy boys, um, but not up and up doing anything. But church is not a restaurant. It's a school of culinary arts. Right. It's a it's a place where we come uh, to to learn how to cook. To learn how to cook grace, to learn how to cook hope, to learn how to cook justice and peace and compassion and love and, uh, and outreach. But everybody knows every good cook tastes your food. You taste your own food. Every good cook. Before you, do I add this season? Do I need a little bit of this? Do I, lead, do I, do I personally need some more grace? Do I mm-hmm. personally need some more love? But the issue is now that I feel like there is a gospel being a message. I can't even say gospel. A message being preached in the church where there's no self-examination is that people are corralling uh, about uh, around what they hate, not what they're for. Mm -hmm. And so, so thus there's no inward 
search of God, know me. If there's any offense way in me, show me as scripture says. So the school, the church is never meant to be a, a restaurant, a school of culinary arts. And further and foremost, we're intended to be meals on wheels. Right? We're, we're the ones we, we're food supposed truck. to come on. So oh, bring me a food truck right now. And um, oh, fam, them joints Taco are amazing. Taco sounds great. And uh, so we're, we're always been intended to be the individual to go on the highways and byways and to go into our neighborhoods. And, and so what the problem is that we have so elevated the pulpit that we made it a pedestal. Uh, we have so uh, intertwined and mission-strewed honor that we created worship. And so thus, we again, we, we leave these Sunday morning experiences not with the mission, with the memory. And so, and so I believe what is so vital in this hour that we get back to what we read in Scripture, in the book of Acts especially, where they went from house to house, breaking bread, and the church multiplied. And so I firmly believe we can get so much more done around an, a dinner table than we than we can a tweet. We can get so much done around a coffee shop than a soapbox. And so what we're trying to do, what we knew we had to do is making sure that we are are trying to have these conversations in smaller circles um, in more intimate places right. um, and and to to help equip and inspire individuals to take their mantle, their responsibility to preach the gospel. Can the message has never changed? To go preach the word. We're in season, out of season. Correct rebuke and encourage with great sure. faith. But here's the last part: with careful instructions. We mm-hmm. wanna we wanna again stop me if I'm talking too long. But we want mm-hmm. to that let that last part. People are we're people are more infatuated with the cut than they are with the mending. They want the correction. <laughs> We want to correct. We want to preach. We want to speak at this particular uh, against this particular movement, this particular thing. But there's no careful instructions, and so now people leave with anger and they leave confused. They don't leave discipled. They don't leave educated. They 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 leave flustered. And so I think just like just like a mailman, right? Emma's, it was just Cyber Monday, and maybe people uh, we broke, so we didn't buy anything. But um, <laughs> but maybe uh, the struggle is real, fam. Uh, people canceling us left and right, but this, this, but that won't change, fam. This will, I'm sorry, this will change. Yeah. And so, anyway, so when you order something from Amazon, you order something from the mail. Uh, the 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 mailman, they 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 deliver the package. They understand their responsibility is not to open the package. It's not responsibility to the mailman. Their responsibility is to make sure it arrives safely at the at its proper at the proper destination. And so, I think we need. Every single person, every Christian, every minister, every every person who's longing to share Jesus to protect the package. Hmm. We are throwing information. We are throwing news. We are throwing uh, 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 information everywhere, not giving any attention to its content, to protecting the content or making sure it is effectively being delivered to the one whose name is on it. And so people are getting broken good, broken packages, broken TVs, blaming the manufacturer, uh, blaming the creator when it was the handlers who's misconstruing his messages. Yeah. So we as Christians, we have to get back to the raw elementary responsibilities of being like Jesus, preaching Jesus and sharing Jesus. And it includes justice. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. 
In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com academy. Maria, I want to get back to something you said because I want to ask this question about how you guys handle this. Um, you know, as you drive down those country roads in Indiana, born and raised in Indiana here, uh, in Indianapolis, <laughs> and uh, l- let me tell you, I if I I heard growing up, we would talk about racism, and we would talk about civil rights, but the tone and the frame of it was in school was always right. was always like. Think about how bad the South was back then. Mm. And there was this undertone of congratulating ourselves for that we weren't the South and about, uh, as, a, as a country, how far we'd come, you know. Uh, but then these, these people in my class had go home and their parents were shouting the N-word at, at black people that drove down the street, right? right. Um, so one of the things that strikes me about this is that most, I've said this before, most racists don't think they're racist right <laughs> right and I'm, I'm talking I'm, I'm including me in that too uh, and that's really disorienting because um, if if white supremacy is true and if it centers whiteness and white experience and white culture and white perspective then to have something as heinous as bad as racism be not only a part of your life, but a part of the lens through which you see all of reality and not know it? Like, that's like, that's like the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Like, the worst thing that ever happened to you is that you would be that bad and not realize you're that bad, right? And I'm sure you guys have experienced that. One of the reasons we're doing this series is because um, I've just decided to assume that I, the worst parts of my racism I haven't discovered yet. I've just decided to assume that, and there's no way for me to get in touch with that unless I'm open to being wrong. <laughs> right. Like, really open to being wrong. Um, what? How do you guys navigate r- close relationships with people that would be, you know, shocked that they were racist? You know, it's one thing like to be a Dolphins fan and hang out with a Chiefs fan and have like this <laughs> funny back and forth. It's another thing to be a black man hanging out with a blatant racist and him just or her not just not knowing it <laughs> and and or not caring like how do you guys deal with that especially maybe going into churches where you see that prevalent and they've asked you to serve them or they've asked you to to bring something for you them. know what's funny i've literally have had ministers ask me oh because you know i tell them I'm, i was born in mexico right um one of the first things that one time i got was oh so are you illegal mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, nice to meet you, too. <laughs> what else? Would you like my social? Like, it was the, seriously, that's what, and I was, I was, I was shocked and I was hurt. I was like, this is, yeah. this is reality. And it, yeah. they've said stuff to him that I'm like, what in the world? I will say this, though. I want to um, throw hands. Yeah, because I'm like, what? But not prayer. I'm like, I mean, anyways, I think so they think God, they're being funny. I mean, you know, we joke around stuff like that. You know, we like to joke around and stuff. 
But some things you just don't ask and some things you don't yeah. say to people, yeah. minorities. It's just, you know, common sense. But, um, you know, what's funny. I grew up in Indiana. Like, I part, have a, well, I grew up in Mexico until <laughs> I was 10. And then from that point forward, I grew up in Indiana. And yeah. I did notice, you're right. They do make it seem like, like in my civil rights class or whatever, American mm-hmm. history, they do make it seem like, oh, well, we're better because we're not the South. You know, we're way better. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, okay. But <laughs> even now, like, I'm like, well, now that I, I, like I said, all these things has been happening. He's mm-hmm. been bringing up stuff like, oh, have you read this? Have you read that? I'm like, wait, what? No, I wasn't taught any of that in my American history class. Mm-hmm. I wasn't taught any of this in my civil rights class. What, what are you talking about? Yes. And then I go back and I read and I'm like, oh, my whole goodness. What is is this real? Like even mm-hmm. terminology, like, for example, um, where carnivals came from, how it was related to the church, what they used to do, um, like things like that. I'm like, I literally almost vomited when I started to mm-hmm. read it. Because they, what they, they, I don't mean you guys can go read it or whatever, but I read that they used to um, get babies nursing, black women that were nursing their babies, they would grab them and they would put them in this, um, like, a, I don't know, pedestal or something, and they would throw balls at the babies when they were full of milk and, and they would throw them, black babies, until they puked. I read that and I was like, we did not get taught any of this. In our history classes, a lot of the terminology that we use nowadays, um, it has such a like, yeah, such a dark beginning. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Um, but no, you're you're right. Like living in Indiana was very, it was very interesting. You're right. They they do feel that way. Well, we're better, but then again, I lived there and I did get called a beaner and all this and that. I've heard yeah. people call him names, and I'm like. Mm. I'm like, it doesn't matter where you're from, you could still be racist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I guess, yep. I guess then as, I mean, a lot of our listeners, I think, would probably say they want to be anti-racist. So they, I think a lot of our listeners would see it as part of their responsibility as a Christian to be actively peacemaking, which means mm. fighting for justice in places of injustice, Right. That's the yes. difference between like peacemaking and peacekeeping, as you were talking about earlier, Timothy. Mm-hmm. But um, and I, so I think a lot of us probably have this default mindset of, yeah, sure, I bet there's places in my life that I can't see or I don't know. But how to inhabit a uh, how to inhabit a space, even a even a space that's predominantly white, and and be open to being that wrong about reality mm. is crazy disorienting for most white people. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're supposed to be in charge, <laughs> you know what I'm like you get paid to be in charge, and now like you have to lead a group of people through something they can't see that would change everything about how they live their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess I, I guess I'm asking uh, the question under that or behind that is like. I don't know. What's your wisdom on that? Like, how do, you, what are what are some ways that you've seen, um, white folk, like be with you, and respond to you, that you've been blessed by, or you've seen them blessed by, that you want to commend to the yeah, rest of us. I think, I just want to encourage encourage y'all to know the 
empowerment that is given just to hear uh, lighter hue, the white brothers and sisters talk about these matters, but not talking to defend, talking to understand. Yeah, and good. so that in and of itself, I know it's like, man, I want to do more. I want to do more. I want to do more. And I'm so thankful that for that drive to happen. But please do not negate or take away from communicating. And so it meant so much to me when someone would reach out and say, hey, man, I just I, I just have some questions. And uh, can we chat? Can we talk? And because for the longest time, like I said, until this year, this year, um, I did not have a place or space to talk about these matters. So thus many, many, many minorities and people of color will eternalize their pain. Um, yes. And because and ch- church wasn't safe, your pastor won't safe it, uh, to talk about these matters. Oh, you're trying to find race in the rock. Oh, just pray about it. Boy, please. <laughs> Literally. It, um, Literally. So, so, uh, oh so I think, Man, just creating conversation, creating the space and inviting other people to your table is different. You mm-hmm. can we can keep you can. I would hope somebody knows a black and a brown minority individual or and vice versa um, mm-hmm. that we can invite into that conversation. And I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm writing about mm-hmm. this in my I have an upcoming book, uh, my sec in a little bit. But I'm talking about one of the but one of the most powerful things you can do uh, in a conversation is bless each other with an I don't know. Right. Mm. Because when you come to the table with I don't know, you're coming to the table to understand, not to prove. Yeah. And so across the board, yeah. we just have horrible communication issues because people talk to win, not understand. And people mm. talk to tweet, not talk. And mm. uh, and so, like I said, I just, I just wanted them, because I know people want to do more, want to do more, but please do not negate or take away from the simple fact of talking about it. And then, and then how can you get involved is use your privilege. Hmm. I am, um, I am an able-bodied individual. I'm an able-bodied person. My legs work. Thank God. Right. And, uh, so when I see someone in a wheelchair, again, assuming that they want my help, I always ask. And if they need what I'm going to, I'm going to help. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to get involved with what I can do, but I'm also going to make sure I'm not taking their space. So I'm not going to take their handicap space or whatever, because I know that was a place made for them that, that created for them. Uh, you know what I mean? So, Mm. so like find ways to get involved, find ways to speak up, find ways to speak out, Mm. like have these conversations with your family. And, Mm. uh, and so I would say that what, there's something that we're going to give our, our children, all of us, is that we're going to give them a, a new starting point because all of us are one drawing a line in the sand saying this stops with us. No Ignorance more. stopped with us. So okay. what if mm. this is just a moment a where we're gathering information, uh, where we're gathering mm. and strategizing a plan so mm. we can help raise up a generation to end this thing? Yeah. I would say submerging yourself in the culture yes. would also be so helpful. You, mm. you know what I'm saying? Like I know a lot of people, for example, they love Mexican food. Uh, but they don't necessarily love Mexicans, which I think is, yeah, <laughs> they're, I mean, yeah, for real. Like they oddly, yeah. You have no idea the the things I've heard. Like even here, okay. Let, let me just say, we are in this house by the absolute grace of of God. Literally, we could have never afforded this house. Anyway, long story short, um, the majority of our neighborhood is white. 
Oh and God. one of our neighbors walked up to him. First day. First day we moved in. And he, they, he had not seen me. And said, oh, I had to move from this place to this place because there was too many Latino people and they're too, too noisy. They're too this, too that. Oh and my. as soon as he said that, I walked out. <laughs> he looked like super awkward. Like... So yeah, anyway, they're here to try me for real. Yeah, white guys looking. like people be trying me. White, oh my, oh my white, white Steve be like, oh, there's a black guy. He'll he'll hate on the Latinos with me. <laughs> like, bro. I don't and know then why walks his wife. Yes, Jeez, and then so uh, but but my point being like just submerging yourself in the culture. Sometimes it can be so helpful to understand where they're coming from. Yeah. Ask people, why do you feel the way you feel? And I think that's mm-hmm. what we're lacking. We yeah. want, like he said, we want to be right because we're right. But we don't mm. want to understand the pain of other people. We don't want to, yeah. we don't want to go there. We don't want to see mm-hmm. what's really, you know. And like people have been asking me about this whole situation. And I'm just being honest and open about it. And mm-hmm. then I like, well, how can we help? I'm like, well, number one, educate yourself. Number two, submerge yourself in the culture so you can get why we think the way we think. Why, yeah. why we're, because yeah. I'm coming from a whole completely different place than even my husband. Yeah. You know, I'm a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have my own battles that I have to I have to fight through. I'm mm-hmm. a Latino woman, which that's another battle in itself. And mm-hmm. then him, okay, I would say this. He is a big black man. Six he's, foot six, three hundred and thirty pounds. So he's not you're not you're not gonna walk into a place and not notice him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to a small town one time and literally I think he was the only black person in the whole town. Story because people were like staring and following him around the store. And anyways, so like I've had to sit down even with him and ask him, Mm -hmm. why do you feel the way you feel? Why, you know, what, why, why are you hurting? Why does this hurt you so much? That is so important. Just asking questions, it would be so helpful in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of bringing all this together and maybe bringing this all to a close here. um, One of the things I hear uh, that is like a simple thing that all of us can do Um, I heard somebody say the definition of fragility is that there's no space between stimulus and response. Mm. Um, So fragility is when there's no, and what, what, what I think uh, that quote means is that when, when something that you share as a black man or you as a Latina woman, uh, if that feels threatening to me as a white man, right? Something about my identity, something about the way that I conceive of the world, that, that kind of thing. For me not to have any gap between hearing that comment and defending myself, right? Uh-huh. That's the definition of, of fragility. Um, and so I think uh, what I'm hearing in all of this is expand the gap, right? For, for you, where, however, however that gap is, like expand that gap between what you hear that feels threatening and just like don't respond right away. Just think about it. Think at least uh, a few thoughts to say, wait, that's interesting that I feel defensive when yeah. a black man shares that he's hurting because of what he saw on TV, you know, uh, in March. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that's interesting. And being able to stay in the conversation, right? And just, and be curious and, and, and keep, uh, keep listening. Yeah. And allow Got that it. to, allow, allow those, uh, that gap to increase. It's, I think it's hard sometimes for Christians to understand this because we treat, we treat relationships as, as opportunities just to win souls. So mm. we come yeah. to people, like you, people will go to people to, for converts 
right. the moment that they say a prayer, they don't know how to sustain a relationship. They don't know how to yeah, do a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think we need to learn how to do life. Period. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like Brian McKnight yeah. talks about going back to one. That's a that's before y'all's day. And um, it's a it's an old love back, love oh, love song. Lord. One like a dream come true. Two want to be with you. Three girl you're playing. I'm looking at my wife right now. Oh, girl you're playing to see that you're the only one you for me. Coming up Four. on ten years. Here. Come on, yes. romance has not died down. This is great. Come on. Yes, right. It really hasn't because we got a baby due in two weeks. Oh and my so, do you really? Oh yes. Wow. Little, Congratulations, little, little baby girl. And so I have not social distance. Glory be to God. But. <laughs> So he, he has this love song where um, where he talks about going back to one. He's like, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to go back to the basics. I'm going to go mm-hmm. back to one. And so I think that is just what we need to do. Yeah. We have so overly complicate, complicated Christianity. Mm-hmm. And it's raw form. The, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 like Jesus, how much, how much ministry did Jesus do just to simply bring simplicity to the gospel? Mm-hmm. Right. Can we once again love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and our strength? And can we love our neighbor as ourselves? Right. Yeah. Can we yeah. start there and can we yeah. strive that and strive to do that? Mm-hmm. And so I've, that's what we're, we're passionate about to help people do. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that, man, God has given me a, 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 a book that's really going to help that out and um, to help people have the conversations. Because that's what mm-hmm. I really want to do. Is like, I just think we, we need less soapboxes. We need more conversation around coffee tables, but people need to learn how to talk again. Tim uh, and and Marie, thank you so much. Do you go by Tim? I just called you Tim, but Uh, I realized. either one. Uh, I'm good with Tim or Timothy. I just don't like when a grown man calls me Timmy. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. That never. I draw draw a line right there. It never occurred to me, just so you know, <laughs> to, to call you Timmy. Can I can I share one thing, Timothy? As you were sharing about being a six six three hundred, and I, I missed the uh, the particularities three, there. Three. three three plus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> black man. I, I remember mm-hmm. having a conversation with a, a white guy who was six six three hundred pounds. He was an ex uh, offensive lineman at a college football team, and uh, <laughs> I remember me suggesting to him that people treated him differently because of his stature and he thought I was full of crap. Mm. Mm. Now listen, listen, he thought I was full of crap. He told me that his size had no impact on most people and that he did not see anybody treat him differently than anybody else. And I, I remember this was about 10 years ago when I was first realizing that white people don't see their power. Um, because I mean, all white people have power, uh, but a six foot six, three hundred pound white guy has a lot of power, and it just struck me as you were sharing about like being a six foot six, three hundred plus pound black man. There's never been a day in your life when you weren't aware of your size, when you weren't aware of your color, when you weren't aware of how people were reacting to that. Mm-hmm. And that's just it's like that's like part of baked into how you navigate the world mm-hmm. to stay alive. Absolutely. And communicate to people you're not a threat, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that you're friendly and you're kind, yeah. and yeah. right. And yes. I, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'm still not angry. Oh my gosh! He Here's me not being all angry the time. Mm. He's like, "Why yes. are you mad?" He's like, "I'm this not is my mad." Face. <laughs> no, this well, is Timothy. I mean, we don't know you that well, but we spent a few hours with you now, right. and like, there's nothing about you that's angry. Mm-hmm. But like, you, in order to survive, you have to be aware of how everybody scripts you 
when they look at you. Mm-hmm. White people don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. We don't ha- we don't have to pay attention to those things because we're not surviving based upon it. Mm-hmm. We're actually using it, and we don't even know we're using it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is part of the, I want to say, this is part of the work white people have to do, is begin to see how things like their size, their gender, their skin, how it's currency that's doing work. It's capital they're trading on, and you don't have to be aware of it for it to be happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of BIPOC friends of mine, they just they have to know about it in order to be alive. For instance, son, here's what you do when you see the sirens, the lights come on behind you. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, we're waking up to this stuff. Um, you guys are helping us. Thank you. Timothy Marai, thank you for joining us today. No um, listeners, um, h- hire these people. Yeah, Bring them us, to your church. How do we find no, you? Tell seriously. us how we find you. Yeah, yeah. Um, our website is www.tmmonline.org. That's tmmonline.org. And that does not, TMM, just to clarify, TMM doesn't mean Timothy McCain. It means Timothy Marai. Yeah, correct. And the reason why that is so important, why we, I try my best to make sure I clarify that because we, I firmly believe in my, the, the, the ministry, the anointing, the, 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 yeah. the office, uh, the gifting that's on my wife. Uh, she is a minister in her own right in an hour where misogyny is deeply embedded yeah. in Christianity today. There needs to be women in ministry desperately. And Amen. so, so yeah, it's Timothy Madai Ministries, tmmonline.org. And, yeah, we we can reach us from there. Yeah, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, everything you can think of. We got yes. it all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you have a podcast? I saw that on your website. Yes, yes. So we have a we have two podcasts. I have a oh. uh, a uh, where I do motivation and talk about mm-hmm. life stuff. It's called TM Motivations, and it's on mm-hmm. Spotify and Apple and all this stuff. And we actually launching a new podcast. It's called Saved but Not Churchy. And, um, okay. and so, I'm the saved. He's a not churchy. No, <laughs> let me clarify that. So, I am oversaved. Uh-huh. He's like, okay, I'm, you know, from the hood. So we, just, we just feel like there's a lot of conversations that people aren't having. We yeah. need to talk yeah. about sex. We need to talk about the, I mean, life, you know what I mean? We need to talk mm. about I things, you know what I mean? Cause the yeah. world, they're going to learn it from, from porn. Somewhere. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's great. All right. Very good. Um, and how, how about the book? Uh, you, you mentioned you're working on it. Um, we're recording this in December. This this interview will probably release in January. Like, cool. when is that coming out and how can people find that? Or what's it called? So uh, I have a book coming out called uh, Use Your Jab. And uh, in the book, it is about depression and overcoming <laughs> and fighting and conquering depression. And it should be out around February. And okay. um, using your jab, I don't know if you, any boxers, I love boxing. And uh, a jab is, is how you set up a shot and how you, you create distance and things. And so, um, <laughs> so anyway, so it's, it's a, a book about, because this year has been crazy for so many people and they have yes. found themselves fighting depression, yes. deep sadness. Maybe they've yes. never fought it before. Maybe they fight it every single day. Yes. So that comes out. And I also have two books uh, out already. Uh, one is called Crowns Are Greater Than Trophies. And uh, that is uh, just charging people to to draw a line in the sand regarding their family and and mm-hmm. um, and break these generational habitual behaviors that has been causing so mm-hmm. much pain. 
and I have a last book called This Is Your Chance. And, um, and the subtitle is, it's not opportunity that will pass you by. It's more like you will pass by your opportunity. And so I have severe mm-hmm. dyslexia and uh, mm-hmm. I have to take speech pediments and I have a speech pediment and a stuttering issues and slurring problems. I had to take speech classes till I was in the fifth grade. Uh, and I lived most of my life feeling I was uh, stupid and dumb. Uh, it wasn't until I had a revelation that totally rocked my life. And from there, I've been mm-hmm. writing books and uh, going to college and all that fun stuff. So anybody who's been feeling like you've been trapped by anxiety and excuses and wary, uh, this book is definitely going to help liberate you from there. All right. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll find, uh, we'll find uh, where those things can be located. We'll put all that in the show notes um, yep. for all from a website. you mm-hmm. beloved listeners. Yep. Or just go to that website, tmmonline.org. That's where That's to right. find these guys. Uh, guys, thanks so much for joining us. It was uh, a real uh, delight to talk to you yeah. uh, today. It's been awesome. Thank you all for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.